Let's go. You are listening to Dollars and Sensibility, the podcast that explores the numbers, concepts, and behaviors that shape your financial life. Hosts, business partners, and friends, Bill McBride and Andrew Martz are financial advisors in Hollywood, California, that for a combined 35 years have helped thousands of individuals and businesses better their financial futures. Here, they want to open these discussions to you, the listener, share the many things they have learned, and of course, how to be sensible about your dollars. Hey, welcome back to Dollars and Sensibility. Thank you. This is your host, Andrew Martz, here with my good friend and co-host, Mr. Bill McBride. Good afternoon. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. How are you? Great. I want to jump right into today's topic. I believe that today's episode is really going to change somebody's life and their outlook on how they not only look at money, but how they perceive their condition in life. Because so often money is used as a measuring stick of success. So this idea of we are trying to achieve a, a state of wealth is so important. It's what so often people are looking to us for advice for. How do I retire? How do I get financial freedom? And it's really important to define wealth. I want to share something with you. It's an article from the American Psychological Association. And they did a study on money and the level of stress it induces on American health. So according to their study, it has found that the majority of Americans, 64%, say that money is somewhat or very significant source of stress. And that 75% of millennials ages 18 to 35 and 76% of Gen Xers ages 36 to 49 find higher levels of stress due to money. Regardless of the economic climate, money and finances remain a top stressor since this survey first began back in 2007. This affects all areas of life. It goes on to say, and it quotes a doctor here, saying that some are putting healthcare concerns and healthcare needs on hold because of financial concerns. So nearly one in five Americans say that they have either considered skipping or have skipped going to the doctor when they need health care because of a financial concern. So stress about money can also affect your health. It can affect your relationships. One third of adults with partners, so 31%, report that money is a major source of conflict in their relationship. And lastly, from Dr. Gallo, who is a professor of psychology at the San Diego State University, is quoted saying, stress levels remain high Money is a very frequent source of stress and, here's the important part, results in unhealthy coping strategies, which are common among people who struggle with money issues. This is a national issue. This is... It's global. It's a global issue. Yeah. This is not about money. This is about your lifestyle. And a long time ago, you know, in my career, I discovered that it's not about the money, which is a really weird thing coming from a money guy, coming from a financial <laughs> advisor, but it's not about the money. And I want whoever's listening out there to hear that because when you are trying to design a life, when you are trying to go through all of the challenges, obstacles, the success, the failures, and everything that we encounter in life, there are a couple of things that we need to re remind ourselves that should be the end goal. 
for the listener hearing that, their question is going to be, when, when did it become not about the money? When you started getting the money? Or was it some other impetus? The family started uh, growing and you started seeing fulfillment in other things. Are you asking me personally? Or are you saying for, yeah. for anybody generally? Both. I think that that realization can come at any point. My hope is that this podcast can be a spark of a conversation or a thought in anybody who's listening right now. For me, I spent my career in the very early parts. I left college and I got into this industry in the pursuit of money. Right. I thought that this was the easiest path to making a lot of money very, very quickly. And what I found was in the pursuit of riches, in the pursuit of wealth, I became very unfulfilled and very unhappy, which is actually, it was a, a kind of a saving moment for me. It was a, a defining moment because it, it shifted my career. Right. Out of a part of this industry that was focused on money and numbers and every person was a number to what we currently get to do every day, which is we focus on people. We focus on families. We focus on individuals. Our, our business is not a numbers business. It's a people business. Well, we've redefined what wealth means, not only to ourselves, but also to our clients. That's absolutely right. You know, wealthy by definition is having a lot of money, having a lot of resource, having assets are my favorite, the state of being rich. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Do you remember the Chris Rock bit about being rich and being wealthy? No, I don't. Yeah, he was. Uh, he said, Shaq is rich. The guy that signs Shaq's paychecks is wealthy. I do, I do <laughs> remember that line, actually. That's classic. And it's so true. Yeah. Though, I wouldn't mind some Shaq money. Yeah, Instead right. of wealth, I think what we should be trying to achieve is health or wellness. And I love the term wellness because wellness is a process. It's an active process of becoming aware of and making choices toward a healthy and fulfilling life. So to me, it's like, well, what are, we, what are we really pursuing money for, right? Every time I run a retirement plan for somebody, what we're really trying to find out is how much money do you need to live to do whatever you wanted to do? It's that classic question. Imagine money didn't matter. What would you wake up and do tomorrow? People can't conceive that, the answer to that. Even when you ask them for the third time, I, I, I just, I, I've just found that, the pursuit of financial wealth is paramount in the forefront of everybody's mind. And there's no, there's no end in sight. We can put the financial plans in front of them and say, hey, this is what you'll need to live the same lifestyle you are now throughout your entire retirement. So you live to be 110. The feeling is always there. And, you know, we could talk about where it comes from, but the feeling is always there that it's not enough. Sure. So let's look at it from like a medical diagnosis standpoint, right? The point I want to try to get across is the pursuit should be the pursuit of wellness. So if you're pursuing wellness, wellness is more than being free from illness. It's a process of change and growth, which means that it's not about the destination. It's about the journey. It's really interesting if you study like neuroscience and when you hit an achievement, when you have a success, and that can come in a lot of different forms, we're all familiar with the, the chemical dopamine, right? So right. Our, we're getting dopamine releases into our system. This can happen from a variety of things. It can happen because you got a lot of likes on your Facebook post. It could happen because mm -hmm. you closed a deal. It could be happen because you met a new special someone. These, are, these invoke these dopamine responses. But 
what neuroscience has found is that dopamine responses are actually in the anticipation or the process of achieving the result. It's not when the result comes, which is why we find so many people and so many stories, and this has now been documented time and time and time again, of people who have achieved very high levels of material and monetary success, but have found themselves unfulfilled and unhappy. Right. Well, why? Be because well, because they've achieved, they've hit that destination and there's no biochemical response in their body. It's, it's actually, there's a slight response and it's a drop in dopamine. Correct. Which if you, if you counteract that with the steady spike that is obtained in achieving that goal, uh, it can it can be devastating, and it can lead you to more destructive behaviors, or more destructive thought patterns, or or lack of wellness in general. Right. It can't be just about the money. And and listen, wealth is important, and money is important. Y you need money because money is a tool. It's a tool that is underlying in almost anything that you want to do. So when it talks, when you talk about being wealthy. To me, we're talking about this idea of financial independence. Now, we have been conditioned to believe that financial independence is something that happens after a 30-year career and you hit 62 and you start to receive Social Security and you can draw from all of your savings that you've accumulated over your life. This has been the kind of the preconditioned story. I think for the first time in a very long time, particularly in this country, that traditional notion of retire at 65 is being challenged specifically by younger generations. I was just going to say, I mean, we can attribute that to the millennial generation, I think. Absolutely. Right? And I think that this, this idea, because even you and I here in Los Angeles hear this from, from people who are not a part of the, who are older than the millennial demographic, who have the same sort of thought, like, I'm never going to stop working. I'm always going to do this. I think that way. You think that way. Why right. would I ever want to stop working? But, but two reasons we hear that, right? Number one is... The person says, I'm never going to stop working because they feel that they will never ob obtain the financial success that they would need to do that, to, to be able to stop, right? And still maintain their lifestyle. Or the second, which is what we hope everybody achieves, is you just love what you do so much you right. can't imagine not doing it. Yeah. So understanding your definition of wealth is important. Because here, here's the thing that I think a lot of people are fooled by is that we are, we have some preconceived notion of what wealthy is. And it could be what we see in news and media. It can be what we see on social media, which can be very deceptive. But the important thing to know is that wealth can be achieved with a variety of different levels of monetary assets. You don't need $100 million to be wealthy. You can achieve a wealthy status and a wealthy lifestyle with less money if your lifestyle demands are not luxury vacations and exotic cars and $1,000 dinners every single night. You can achieve this idea of financial independence with a different level of wealth than your neighbor. And getting out of this idea that we need to compare ourselves to what our neighbor has or what our coworkers have or what our siblings have done, I think is very important because this now adds a level of expectation on ourselves that may not be real, authentic, or true to who we are. And we're now we're chasing somebody else's lifestyle, which is deterring us from other areas of fulfillment in our life. But, you know, are, are, we, are we trying to get across the point? I, we're not trying to get across the point of, of lowering expectations, right? So we, we've got to 
juxtapose the pursuit of wealth in all its facets with living a balanced life. Yeah, right? and, that, and that's a and, great and, point. And ambition, right? Still having ambition, like it would have been inconceivable for me 20 years ago to think of, hey, I can be super ambitious and lead a balanced, wealthy life. Right. Right? The balance part wasn't in there back then, right? It was, right. you know, 20 something, go, 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 right? And just just keep going, keep working harder and without regard for my physical or mental health. Sure. Right? It's such a brilliant point because no, I'm, my point is not that we should lower expectations or that, hey, if you're not in a career or job today that isn't making your dream income or your dream salary, you're not saving as much money as you can. Yeah, you should pursue higher levels of income, you should pursue higher levels of monetary success, but not at the expense of other things. What are the aspects of what we would define as a wealthy life? Not just a, a monetarily wealthy life, but a holistic wellness fulfilled life. And to me, wealth equals health. You mentioned the word balance. I hate when people say, do you have balance? How do you, you balance? Work, do you have work-life balance? How do you balance it all? You don't. There, there is no balance. You can't, you cannot balance. And here's, here's how I generally argue that is that instead of trying to achieve balance, try to achieve health. Do I have health in all of the areas of my life? And here's the four areas that, that I check on. But wait, without balance, there, there is chaos. So right. the, the idea of balance means that I, to me, gives me the impression that are you spending equal amounts of time on all the different areas of your life? So here, here's where I check in. I check in on my financial health. Right. I check in on my relational health. I check in on my physical health. And then I check in on my mental, emotional, and spiritual health. So these are the four areas. And this is, this is literally what we do with, with clients every single day. Is like, hey, we have your financial plan, but if you don't have these four areas of your life healthy, the money won't matter. Right, but, but before we dig into these four aspects, I don't feel that the balance of life or to be holistically wealthy means that you have to spend an equal amount of time with each, right? I, I think there's something to be said for the efficiency in taking maybe only 30 minutes a day for your mental health and maximizing that that time, right? So if you got 16, eight waking hours a day, you're not spending four in the gym, four at work, four with family and friends and four meditating, right? Yeah, and, and that's that's why I challenge at least phrasing it work-life balance or finding balance in all areas. Because sometimes I've talked to people who get down on themselves and say, oh, like I was planning on working out every day for two hours or an hour and a half or whatever. And then they miss it and they're, they're not filling their quota. Yeah. And what I challenge people to do is just say, hey, is, is your physical portion of your life, is your physical health, is it healthy? Right? Is your physical life healthy? Am I eating correctly? Am I being active? And if I miss a day because of travel or another area of my life that demands more time, you're not all of a sudden out of balance, but right. am I checking in on the health of that? And it, I think a lot of this just has to do with the seasons of life that you're in. Right. Somebody who's in their, their 20s may need to spend more time on a certain area to be able to get healthy in that area. Right. I, and, I, and I think, I, I think the, the point we're both trying to make is that the, the balance doesn't have to be linear, right? It Correct. Doesn't, it doesn't have to be on a scale where you put something on one side, the other side suffers, right? And the younger you are, maybe you pay a little less attention to the, to the physical health, right? 
And the older you are, maybe you pay more attention to that because you focused on the financial or the relational or the mental health, right? When you, when you were younger. Yeah, uh, we agree on the point. I always just challenge the, the verbiage of it. This idea of balance only because I've personally struggled with it. I've beaten, you know, I'm one of those people who sets high expectations. I, I'm a high achiever. I want to achieve in my career. I want to achieve in my my marriage. I want to achieve as as a father. I want to achieve in my physical life. I want to be active and competitive and 5Ks and sports. I want to, you know, I want to have a healthy mind and spirit. I want to feel content and grateful. And but but wait, sorry. To to achieve those levels, that you're not trying to feel content. Right, you're trying to achieve beyond what would be content. What do you mean? So, if if the spiritual level, the family level, and the financial level, if you're you're trying to achieve and, and set these high goals for yourself, right? And you know, forget about the balance part for a second. I, I think what you're saying is that you're going for this ambitious level that's seemingly almost out of reach, and that is what's going to make you happy. Or wealthy. Am I reading this right? Yeah. You know, to me, there are just certain things you need to do in each one of these areas. So let's touch on it real quick. In your financial health, these are topics like your personal finances. These are things like your, you know, your financial education. Listening to the Dollars and Sensibility (laughs) podcast will improve your financial health. (laughs) It will change your life. You know, financial literacy. These are things that lack on average in America today. Right. It's things that lack all over the world, but specifically here in America, it's things that are not taught in traditional schools. So it becomes important for us as individuals to pursue these things, to pursue a better, healthy financial relationship. Now, for some people that's managing their own investments, for some people that's just balancing their, their checkbook. So I was just going to say that because you said in the beginning about 64% of people, and then you just said, hey, nobody, they don't teach this in schools. Correct. It's shocking to me that that there is not a high school class, let alone a grade school class, that teaches how to balance a checkbook. Right. You know, And, and I think people suffer for it, right? Because it creates an anxiety and it's indoctrinated at a very early age. My parents certainly never talked to me about, you know, the paycheck that came home and the the mortgage that was paid and the lights and all that. You know, it was a rude awakening when I moved out of the house. Right. You know, and you know, it, so, so to the point of wellness instead of wealth, instead of trying to achieve a result, we're trying. We're in pursuit of the process. So wherever you are in that journey, whether you you understand how to balance a budget, whether you you have lots of debt or no debt and you're now you're growing your investments and you're growing your wealth and you're buying real estate wherever you are there's a step there's a next step in the process my belief is that let's be constant students of these areas and as it relates to your financial health there's always something new to learn mm-hmm. i've been in this industry professionally for 15 years i'm always learning something new and this is all i do all day long yeah my point is hey let's let's be in the constant pursuit of better health in your financial lives. And here's how I just believe that happens. Spend time, right? Have a money date. Take time once a month to be with your money. Take 30 minutes to review your accounts. Take 30 minutes a month is not a tremendous amount of time. It's on average a minute a day, right? So take 30 minutes a month, set some time for yourself to invest in in being healthier, understanding your finances. That may be just, again, balancing a checkbook that could be whatever. So would you advise with that 
um, being that we live in a, in a very instant gratification kind of society, right? Where we all have the app on our phone. Are you saying, Hey, take 30 minutes a month and then put the app away, right? Put the online trading app away, put the banking app away. So you don't look at it like I do every morning when I wake up. That is for you to decide where the healthy limit is. Right. I think at, at minimum would probably be how you can best characterize it. At minimum, you should be spending 30 minutes a month with your finances and investing in your financial health, right? Which includes things like, hey, read some, read some books on these things, right? Yeah. Go on, there's some great online blogs and there's great podcasts and YouTube videos and just get yourself in a position to improve your financial health. I, I think, as I found with many clients, myself personally, if you do that for just a short period of time, you get to a point of efficiency and understanding of, of where you stand financially. Now, you still might be $10,000 in credit card debt, but you can see if you're paying attention to it, not just sporadically going, oh my God, I can't believe I'm $10,000 in credit card debt, right? Oh my God, I can't believe I'm 9,000. I can't believe I'm 11,000. If you see the progression of getting out of that debt, right? And how you're doing it. Yes, it might take you five, seven years to do it. But the plan as it goes along, you know, I, and I've helped I, any different clients and friends, you know, just, hey, put a little money aside each month. And, and it's shocking how hard it is to get people to initially do that. But 100% of the time, they are saying thank you within six months. And that same concept is, is so true in so many other areas of your life. So let's touch real quick on, on relational health and full disclosure, right? We're not psychologists, we're not therapists, we're not family counselors, but this is what we have found to improve our own personal lives, improve the lives of those around us. So if you want better relational health, remember if you have lots of money, but you're isolated, you don't have friends and family to share that with, it becomes less impactful and less meaningful. It, it brings you less joy. So to improve your relational health, Work on things like communication, right? Be intentional about reaching out to those that you love. Spend time, you know, my wife and I, we're, we're in the middle of, of the 2020 COVID-19 uh, quarantine right now. Prior to all of this, every, and you know this, every yeah, yeah. single Friday night, without fail, we would have a babysitter show up at four o'clock at the house. My wife would get ready. I'd come home from the office and we would go on our date night. Every single Friday night. Sometimes we went to a movie theater and didn't talk to each other for two hours. And we just sat and enjoyed a movie and enjoyed each other's companies. Other times we'd go out to dinner. We'd spend four hours talking. Sometimes we'd go out with friends and other couples, but we were very intentional and we were very consistent about investing into our relationship. And I think my wife and I have a, have a great relationship. It's not a perfect relationship. No relationship is, but it's a great, we have so much fun together. There's so much joy in our household because it's not by accident. It was always by design. We designed it from when we met, before we got married, and now we carry that those same principles into our marriage. Yeah, and and I I can recall when you first told me about it, I kind of went, huh, really? You you've scheduled it, calendared it, and made it happen, come hell or high water. And you know, just recently, I've uh, I've started doing Sunday dinners with the family, and you know, I I saw them once in a while before, but now it's it's different. Right. I, I, I know I know that I'm going to be able to see them and it's scheduled and it's once a week now. So the frequency's there. It's something to look forward to. And it's also 
what's essential, right, especially during these times, uh, is that interpersonal communication with the, with the people we love. You know? The intentionality, the consistency, it's so key. Next area of your life, physical health, right? This is, I think, really important for, for both of us, which is, hey, it's how you're treating your body. We need our bodies to be able to do the things that we want to do. So if I want to uh, go on a great vacation and enjoy shark diving in the Grand Cayman Islands or something like that, I need resource, I need money. I'm going to need the time to be able to do that. But I also need the ability. My, my body has to be physically able to, to do this stuff. And it's important, you know, not only when you're young, but all throughout your life to consider what you're putting into your body, looking at diet, the types of things and processed foods and organic versus not. I mean, there's so much research yeah. on, on these topics. I, I struggle with this on an hourly basis. Right. And, and you know, we're always very hard on ourselves too, uh, just as human beings. Right. But it's never enough time in the gym. It's never enough time meditating. It's never enough time you know, sleeping, sleep being the most important thing. Right. Um, there's a lot of life interruptions, you know, but you know, the pursuit of it again, goes back to the, the journey is more important than that's know, right. me being able to bench press 400 pounds three years from now. That's, that's not going to happen without the daily or at least every other day practice. You know, it, you know, physical health is, there's so many components, nutrition, exercise, you said it's sleep is so important. The research that we are now able to understand the impact of sleep and the lack thereof hydration, just simple things like drinking water uh, and how much water you're drinking throughout the day. I'm looking to our, our producer here in, in the studio with us, uh, the G-man of Pod Pros himself, Mr. Grant Muirhead. He's inspired me with his physical commitment. I mean, this guy is What's daily. He he's a CrossFit guy. I mean, look, oh, at, yeah. look at those biceps. <laughs> we'll, we'll post a picture on the Instagram of the biceps because these right. are real things here. Uh, but it's, you know, I've watched his journey and just the unbelievable improvements. And it's, it's simple, right? It's consistency, doing this every day, watching your diet, being prepared, having it scheduled. And it doesn't disrupt your life. It doesn't take a lot of time. It just takes intentionality. Right. And, and the last part, which this is now becoming more mainstream than I think it ever has before. It is so critical in the time that we're in right now during quarantine, your mental your emotional and your spiritual health. And there are a lot of practices in which you can do to improve this. I think the number one thing that helps with that, again, all of these things are not compartmentalized. They're all interrelated. Being in relationship and community is so important for your mental, emotional health. Having like-minded people around you to encourage you, but the things you can do on your own, you said it, things like prayer and meditation. Right. I, I love gratitude lists are a big thing for me. Writing gratitude lists and reminding myself, although I'm very aspirational in the things I want to achieve, reminding myself, hey, I'm so grateful for the things that I do have. I'm so blessed to, to be able to already live the life that I do. It doesn't take away from me wanting more. And there's nothing wrong with wanting to pursue more. But it is that tension between being humbly grateful for everything that you have and being just a little bit uncomfortable and, and pursuing and knowing that, hey, I can achieve more because I have a unique gift. Right, but to, to, the, to the point of practicing positive mental health 
techniques, right? Full disclosure, we're both East Coast guys, right? Yes. Living in Hollywood, California, living in California, yep. right? And to to most of the country, the perception there is, well, well, the perception is, the reality is that we have a lot of resources here in Los Angeles when it comes to mental health, right? Now, during a, you know, during a global pandemic, we have to kind of resort to the resources that everybody else has, right? Which is the self-help mental health activities, right? Which is the meditation, prayer, you know, maybe there's, there's not the same, we can't go to the yoga class or go to the gym in any kind of constructive manner anymore, but you know, there are still things available to everybody else. I was just having this conversation with a group of advisors, a little mastermind that we do last Wednesday. We were talking about this very point, how mental, emotional, and spiritual health has to be top of mind, particularly for financial service providers in this environment, in the quarantine environment today, and checking in on on the people that we serve every day. Hmm. And one of the advisors who's based out here in LA said, well, you have to remember, Andrew, we're unique because Los Angeles, New York, the coastal cities, they, we have different access than, than people in the middle of the country. I said, no, no, no. You have to be aware of what's going on in this country in the last couple of years. So there are apps dedicated to meditation. And, and I'm not a guy who can meditate. I'm not very good at meditation. I need guided meditation to be able to even sit for five minutes. I can't do it on my own. I've, I've tried the mantras and chants and all that kind of stuff. I can't I, do it. I signed up. I got my transcendental meditation license. I love it. I just don't do it. That's the hard part, right? right? Is, is actually sitting down and taking the time to do it. Well, I remember when you went through that process and yeah. you were going to a studio right. guided by an instructor. And, and I think that's what that guy is saying is that in Los Angeles, right, or in New York, we have a community of people, you know, again, not during the pandemic where we can interact physically face to face with, 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 with that energy. And all, all I'm saying is today and anybody's listening, know this, there are resources for you. There are, there are apps, you know, headspace, um, calm, calm. There are now therapy companies and therapy apps and things like that, where you can talk to a therapist on the phone or virtually and, you know, we're living in this virtual world here for the last number of months where all of our meetings are via Zoom and, and WebEx, FaceTime and different things like that. So this has now become a more common space. And we found it's actually become a very effective place for people to meet specifically as it relates to mental and emotional health. So I think just the important thing is, hey, be, be seeking that. As we leave you today, I want to give you a couple of quick action items that you can use if you're listening to this podcast right now and you know those four areas if something resonated with you your financial health your relational health physical or mental and emotional health and you're saying what can i do next here's four things you can do to take your next step in any one of those areas it applies to everything first have smart goals okay so smart goals what's a smart goal it is specific it is measurable it is achievable it is realistic and it is time bound. So write a specific goal that you know you can measure over time, 30 days, 60 days, something that is within the realm of being able to achieve. So make it realistic and put some sort of time constraint on it so you can measure that progress. Okay, make it a smart goal. Next, you want to create a team. 
for anybody listening, this can be a professional or a non-professional uh, team. So think about like in the, the health regards, if you can hire a nutrition and you can hire a trainer and you can get a program, great. If you can't, get together with a like-minded person who also is looking to improve their physical health. I often will just get with friends and say, hey, let's meet on, on Saturday mornings and we'll just go for a run, you know, space six feet apart. There's a few Facebook groups I belong to. Yep. And, you know, I don't check in every day or even every week, right? And I just get into, you know, just seeing what everybody else is doing. It's, it's, it's the different hobbies I have. There's a like-minded community, and certainly there's people that are into it, and they're there all day long, checking on all the members, right? But Give your your uh, Saturday morning beach volleyball. Yeah, yeah, that's that's that is a, a that's a, that is your team. That is your accountability group. It's none of you guys are professional volleyball players, but you right. all say, "Hey, let's get to the beach on." And I know you can't go every week, but you you go when you can. Right, and and it's that's a triple threat, right? Because it's it's educational. Right, we're we're still learning. It is cardiovascular activity, and it's also that socialization component that you know that is missing so much yep. these days. Next, make sure you dedicate time. Calendar this right. Schedule money dates. Have a have a training calendar or meal prep system. The less you have to think about it, the easier it is. And listen, you don't have to live your life as a robot and automate everything. But but if you want to be optimized, if you want to have an optimized life. Take a lot of the guesswork out. Meal prepping is so so effective because you don't have to wake up and think about what you're going to eat. It's already done for you. You've done that once. You've dedicated the the headspace, the physical energy to prepare everything, and it's done. You don't have to think about it. You pick it up in the morning. You walk out the door. So so calendaring and dedicating time makes this easier. Have social events and uh, community groups and things that you're regularly attending, and then make sure you're just finding some me time. It, it is the scheduling and how many seminars, webinars have you and I been to where, hey, financial advisors are key to success. They just do a to-do list, right? And and I've got three different ones. I've got one on the computer, one on the phone, and one handwritten, right? I find when I focus on one of them and complete it for the next day, it is a fulfilling day. Even, right. if, even if I don't scratch everything off of it, yep, right? It's still... Right. A great day. Sometimes I write things on my to-do list just to cross it off, even if yeah, I've already absolutely. accomplished it. Absolutely. <laughs> hey, last thing is, and this is probably the most important, is that consistency will always trump intensity. You don't have to go out tomorrow and be able to run a marathon. You don't have to go out tomorrow and save all the money you need for retirement. It is the consistency that will, good choices compounded over time, and it won't take that long, where you start to see huge differences in all these areas of your life. I would even argue that the intensity is counterproductive to the goal, right? Can be. You go you go to the gym for three weeks every day, and then you decide to double the kind of weight you're lifting or, or the mileage that you're running. And then next thing you know, the next day you're sore and you're not doing what you did the three weeks before. It's absolutely right. Thank you guys so much for listening today. I know that this is going to help somebody. Do me a favor, share this with somebody who you think will benefit from it. Thank you so much for listening to Dollars and Sensibility. I'm Andrew Marks. Bill McBride. We'll see you next time. Cheers. Thank you for listening to the Dollars and Sensibility podcast. Be sure to hit the subscribe button so that you can join us for each and every episode. Follow us on social media at WIS Advisors and be sure to check out our website at wisadvisors.com. 
Tune in for the next step on the bridge between dollars and the mind of the sensible investor. Thanks for listening. Bill McBride and Andrew Moss are investment advisor representatives and registered representatives with Western International Securities Incorporated. All the opinions expressed by Andrew, Bill and all podcast guests are solely their own opinions and do not reflect the opinions of Western International Securities. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon for investment decisions. Clients of Western International Securities may maintain positions discussed in this podcast.